Welcome to another episode of Real Estate Investing News for Accredited Investors. Check out the video webinar version of this episode on our YouTube channel or visit simplepassivecashflow.com slash investor letter and check out our sister podcast by searching for the Simple Passive Cashflow Podcast on your favorite podcast player. Welcome to another episode of Real Estate Investing News for Accredited Investors. Check out the video webinar version of this episode on our YouTube channel or visit simplepassivecashflow.com slash investor letter and check out our sister podcast by searching for the Simple Passive Cashflow Podcast on your favorite podcast player. All right. Thanks for joining us. This is the April 2020 edition of the Monthly Market Update. You guys can find links to this at simplepassivecashflow.com slash green12. Obviously, we all know what we're talking about here today, and that's the COVID-19 um, pandemic that we're going to... It's going to be taking up most of the, uh, the hour. If you guys haven't yet, please join our Facebook group, the uh, Hui is what we call it, and uh, check out my podcast. You can find it on Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and also subscribe to our YouTube channel. A whole bunch of other videos I post there that aren't on the podcast. And um, if you guys are in Hawaii, join our meetup group and, like I said, the Facebook group here. There. So let's start off at the top. Um, I've kind of created these in a chronological order since the beginning of the month, taking us to the end and some action items here and some ways that I'm things that I'm doing, some things my counterparts are doing, and some things I'd suggest passive investors to start doing. So if we recall earlier this month, there was quite a bit of downfall in the market. Down Jones fell, the whole market pretty much fell a third of what it was worth. And that now just to remind everybody, this is two big black swans that happened and black and black swans are known as events that just come up out of the blue. You know, most swans are white. And, um, you know, you don't see black swans. They're pretty rare. And we just happened to get whacked by two of them. One was the coronavirus, COVID-19. And the other one was the uh, Saudis and Russians started to wage this price war against the uh, small oil and gas producers in America. Now, all the... The Exxon Mobiles, the Chevrons, I think they'll be all right, but it's um, all the smaller uh, frackers that I think they're kind of, they're kind of going after. And um, just went into one of those deals in December, so not the best thing, but you know I'm not too concerned. It's not like we're really going to be sucking oil out of that thing for the next six months at least. So I'm pretty sure that this stuff will um, at least restabilize. Maybe not get up to thirty, forty dollars a barrel uh, quite yet, but definitely rebound off this bottom. So there's a little bit of the timeline. I think the unusual thing that happened was the Fed drop rates very quickly. And for those of you guys who've been following the previous webinars that we do every month here, you hear me use the saying of interest rates are sort of like dry powder. When times are good, what you want to do is increase the interest rate so that in times of bad, like now, you can lower the uh, Fed funds rate and you can kind of stimulate the economy that way. But uh, in my opinion, the Fed kind of blew their, their whole load early in March. And now we're pretty much 0%. And um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit later about the CARES Act and some other stimulus that's coming down 
down the pipeline. I think it's some of the, these are some of the preliminary, the first round of stimulus. The oil prices plummeted more than 30% on, um, around the first week of March. 10-year treasury fell to record low 0.32%, down 80 basis points from the previous week. And that first week, S&P fell 7.6%. And I think that volatility, I haven't seen volatility this high. I mean, it seems like every day it's going up 800 to 1,500 points or 15,000 points. 1500 points in the Dow. Like I said, so here, what, what basically is happening is the Russians and Saudis are sort of colluding with each other to which is price war to get the small oil producers in the United States out. It's uh, they just kind of, I think they picked the wrong time, uh, just a bad time to do this. It's a very rare dynamic, says CBRE. So this is a update from CBRE early in the month. And I'll say this probably multiple times, but you, know, you can see how the story changes from the beginning of the month to where we are now, um, now in April, how sediment has kind of changed. And, you know, we're kind of reaching to that point of, you know, things are seem really, really bad. Whereas probably in the beginning of the month, you, you know, pe most people were sort of still you know, downplaying this whole event. So CBRE says here that they uh, said the spread of the virus, they think it's only going to be seasonal and impacts will lessen as the warm weather comes along, allowing for stronger growth in the second half of the year. Obviously, none of us are thinking that, um, you know, I think we'll be lucky if the growth comes back in the second half of the year. I'm still optimistic for fourth quarter. 2020 and hotels their comment on hotels early in march using the sars pandemic of 2003 as an example the hotel industry could be severely impacted for up to six months i think today a few weeks just a few weeks later we're, we're thinking hotels are absolutely destroyed <laughs> and um there's another uh, layer on top of this the retail um, particularly in food and beverage establishments. And now now with a lot of these food and beverage establishments and restaurants out for a few weeks at the very least, a lot of them are going to come back. And it's a little sad. Um, office space is, is impacted, obviously, because people aren't at work and the demand is down. Everyone's working from home. Um, the one nice thing about this whole thing is construction sort of been labeled as a necessity a necessity. Therefore, they haven't really been impacted. Um, CBRE says that supply chains haven't been impacted with significant backlogs at Chinese ports. Imports from other parts of Asia are also being impacted. Um, a lot of multifamily construction um, is impacted by Asian source materials for residential construction. So mind you, this is in the beginning of the month. So if we follow along in the story, you know, as the month progressed, more of the same, you know, here was like a 2,300 point decline in the Dow. Middle of March, interest rates were cut to zero and basically went into another round of quantitative easing to keep the cost of credit down. The Fed announced the asset purchases of 500 billion in treasury securities and 200 billion in mortgage-backed securities. So the, what the Fed's doing is they're trying to 
uh, cut the discount rate that charges banks for short-term loans during times of strange by 150 basis points to 0.25%. And then they're eventually cut to zero. So we closed on a, a rate locked on a deal on March 6th. And that was absolutely the best time to close a loan. The next week later, the feds dropped the rates. And you would think that the rates would go lower, but it went absolutely the opposite. For the first time, I think since forever, the 10-year treasury, and the which is what the interest rates are, what we pay our lenders, and the federate um, decoupled. I don't entirely know what, what caused this phenomenon. Um, there was a podcast I listened to it, um, but that's where my understanding ends there. I honestly don't really care. It is what it is. It's a little bit of a history lesson here. Just for some context, in December of 2007, the treasury rate was at 4.2%. And that was at the good time. In, and that 42 can be representative of how much dry powder there was in the banking system. And in December of 2019, the treasury was at 1.761. So that was sort of at the pre. Last week, it was at 0.75 if you kind of calculate it um, and you kind of normalize it for what it was in 2007. So just a little bit context. Uh, Fed slashes rates again as corona pressure mounts, uh, says commercial property executive. As the month moved on, the tax filing deadline got moved back. Tax filing deadline is still April 15th. However, the Fed income tax payment deadline moved to July 15, 2020 for all tax benefits less than $1 million. So this means that you still need to file or do an extension by April 15, but you'll have until July 15 to make payment if you have a balance due. Me personally, I always just file in October. I don't know why anybody does it in, in April. I mean, that's what most people do out there, but I don't understand. I mean, as we'll talk a little bit, what, you know, the CARES Act got, um, approved this past week and there's some pretty um, nifty things you can do by going back to old uh, tax returns and this tax return but if you filed it already you would have have to pay the refiling fee so it really to me it makes no sense why you would file early um, it's of course these are all my interpretations and um, I've got the disclaimer at the end but there's the link irs.gov you guys can read this all by yourself and make your own interpretations more news headlines here. Federal Reserve cuts rates to zero and launches massive $70 billion quantitative easing program. Interesting the day they did that, the market still responded negatively and the Dow's uh, futures pointed to a drop of 900 points. So that's scary when they say they're going to print money and the stock market still acts negatively. About this middle of the month, um, especially in the blue states, um, cities and counties started to halt evictions amidst the coronavirus pandemic. And here are some um, smaller stories that I picked out. And these these are so, some sort of newer stuff developments in the path in the second half of March that scare me a little bit. Uh, first, Marriott to furlough two thirds of domestic international corporate staff. So Marriott is pretty much indicative of the hotel and travel industry. Cheesecake Factory, 
I know a lot of folks love them out there, but they notified their landlord that they will not be making payments to their rent this month. Kind of scary. Gap, Macy's, and Kohl's have announced separately that they're planning to furlough a majority of employees at their stores and some distribution centers. So I think we're starting to see, you know, I think America can survive like a, you know, something like this for a week, but we're starting to get a little bit deeper into this, you know, zero production quarantine stage and you're starting to see the first signs of um, the destruction. Some of this can be reversed. But, um, you know, the, the more, we, more we stay into this, the harder it's going to be to come out of it. Multi-housing news says coronavirus release package awaits final approval. And this was on March 25th. And we all know now that it did get approved. $2 trillion stimulus. If you write that out in numbers, like, I don't know, I had to Google if trillion is bigger than billing. It was a lot of zeros. It's just an unfathomable amount of money. And we'll break down the CARES Act in the little end, but... It, just to keep up with the chronological order of the sequence, probably about the middle of the month is when I got together with um, my mastermind. Um, you know, people were freaked out. We paid $25,000 each to be in this group. So it's a, it's a group of highly active investors. Um, they only let in like the top couple people in each metropolitan area. Essentially, you got to flip 100 houses per year to get in um, or syndicate deals and apartment deals. So some of their action items, and mind you, this doesn't really apply to passive investors, but I just wanted to put this in here just so you guys see, get a, a mindset of what a more active investor who's really you know, got their ear on the ground. So what they were trying to do is they're filling vacancies as soon as possible, even though they need to reduce the rents five to 15%. They call their property managers, or a lot of these guys are actual property managers. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to fill the units within one week, even on a six month lease. And even if you're having to offer a large reduction in rent, the whole thing is get people in beds and get them in there. Lock up month to month leases if you have to, and you know, work with your tenants, whatever they want, six, nine, 12 month lease. Now's not the time to get picky. Normally, you know, we're trying not to have leases end in the fourth quarter of the holiday season when it's a tough time when not many people are moving around. But, um, you know, with this pandemic, this is the, you know, you've got to you do what it takes. A lot of these guys were using credit card lines and just prepaying their vendors and uh, monetizing those lines you know, get turning it into cash and just holding it. Hoarding cash is the term. A lot of these guys will do direct marketing. So I'm sure a lot of you guys who own rental properties get these really annoying postcards. You know, these are the guys. These guys send out 5000 to a quarter million dollars of direct marketing a month, you know, just for one person. So they cut that back, um, but they kept doing their TV ads and their pay-per-click online ads because we're all at home scrolling on our social media feeds and watching TV. And what a lot of these guys did was cut staff, um, cut overhead, which um, obviously you don't really like to do as a business owner. Uh, me personally, I've kind of ramped up my hiring. And, um, you know, when everybody's firing, I want to kind of hire and I've been trying to increase my hours for my guys. Part two here on the slide, these highly active investors are getting HELOCs, monetizing those HELOCs, getting it into cash, get quotes and refinance properties with mortgages of 5% interest or higher and getting that debt equity out to cash. Because cash is sort of like oxygen. Cash will help you ride out a few months of tough times. Um, these guys are recording their insurance rates to help lower your expenses. 
And um, I've got a couple, two or three insurance guys. If you guys need a referral, just shoot me an email at lane at simple passive cash flow and you guys can do that uh, while you guys are stuck at home. Um, but yeah, find ways. It's 2008, 2009 again. Find ways to cut costs. So here's one of the new programs with the CARES Act. This is, you guys can go to sba.gov slash funding dash programs. So these apply to if you are a gig worker, gig economy, 1099 worker, a one person business, independent contractor, you for hire, self-employed. Essentially, you're eligible for a payroll protection loan as long as you have a business with less than 500 employees. So you might be a W-2 working professional and have a real estate portfolio. And I think you still might um, apply. This might apply to you. I'm working with some consultants who's going to pretty much do all the paperwork for you guys and make sure they do it right. And if you guys don't get paid your $10,000 grant, um, which is penalty-free, tax-free, interest-free, they won't charge you anything. So if you guys are interested in that, shoot me an email at lane at Simple Passive Cashflow. Um, but if not, you should be able to go to this website, sba.gov, and apply there. Don't know if you'll get a approved, right? I mean, that's the nice thing. That's why I'm just going to pay my 25 grand or $2,500, have some half a pro to do it. Because I'll be honest, I probably wouldn't have done it anyway kind of lazy like that so here's some qualifications um, again the biggest one is fewer than 500 employees operates sole proprietor is cool and is independent contractor basically if you've been impacted by the COVID-19 which is should be everybody here so the intention of this SBA loans is for this money to go out to business owners to stimulate the economy so when, when they do this, you know, lenders and the SBA guys, they're pretty lenient on, you know, really helping you trying to get at this money. So there's a lot of, you know, nuances to these things. I would just go to sba.gov or, you know, again, if you want to do it the, the simple passive and lazy way, shoot me an email. We'll, we'll have the consultant work with you guys. Um, there's a lot of equations on how much now the loans are are a different thing. There's like the grants, and then you know that's the one with the money back guarantee. But the loans is another one that the consultants can help you on. Um, I mean, you can get up to a million dollars of loans at like three point two three percent to two five percent on these things. Um, I think this is really where the consultant really comes into play, and you, you can you can get some really nice um, long term money. I believe. You know, these are backed by the government and I believe, I don't know if it's not recourse or recourse, but it's pretty sweet debt. Um, a lot of times that, you know, the reason why they're giving you this is that you're not firing your employees or laying them off. Um, of course, you know, you, you, you might have an employee that you don't want to have, and this is a great time to get rid of them. Um, of course, follow your, all your, your human resource practices to do that so you don't get sued. But this is not an all or nothing type of thing. So here is what we are doing um, at our properties. Um, I'm a general partner in 3,500 units. Uh, first week of April here, we still don't know if we're going to be impacted very much in, um, in terms of this COVID-19 thing. Uh, a lot of investors have been a little excited. Um, but, you know, this is the exact reason why you invest in workforce housing, um, you know, hard assets. The, the value just doesn't disappear overnight like the stock market. 
And to me, I call those fake, it's all fake money. I mean, a lot of people are saying, well, it's, it's down. I'm going to go, go in now as it bounces. But I'm like, whatever, man, like, look, you must be smarter than I am. I'm a dummy. I'm just going to invest in these hard assets that produce rents. So what we are doing, um, you know, what we're, we're obviously doing all the, you know, the legalities in terms of communicating to tenants. Yes, COVID-19 is real and staff is upgrading sanitation processes. We are following the stay at home per guidance of the CDC government agencies. We are addressing work orders, but becoming more of a remote work arrangement for the property management staff where possible. And we're getting a little selective on what maintenance items we are doing because we don't know how this is going to play out as the quarantine goes in. I mean, we all know at some point people run out of cash reserves and they have trouble paying the rent. New prospects are being directed to websites and some self-guided tours with property, proper ID. And some of you guys are looking to sell properties or buy properties. You know, you can do it virtually. Um, but definitely it, a lot of the air has gone out of the uh, demand for buying properties, especially in California. Um, where the that was where the coronavirus sort of hit first. And one thing we are doing is we are kindly reinforcing that the rent is still due, but we're being pretty tactful not to draw too much attention to it because, you know, if we draw too much attention to it, now our tenants will start to think that they are entitled to not paying, like how a lot of people in the blue states are thinking. Um, a lot of the properties that we have um, tenants in are in the, the red states and they haven't officially cut off evictions like a lot of the blue states, but um, we just don't want to give them any ideas, right? I mean, it's still business as usual. You live there, you got to pay rent. Simple. Here's a list from Wallet Hub of the most over leveraged cities and the least over leveraged cities in I just pulled this because I just wanted to sort of see if, you know, where are the hotbeds for the people who are going to have the most trouble now that the tide is sort of going out a little bit, this coronavirus. Some of the notables are the most over-leveraged places are a lot of California places. I think we can all know which ones they are. Beverly Hills, Santa Monica, a um, couple places on Hawaii, Eva Beach and Kalahui. And then the least over-leveraged cities. So this is the list you want to be on. A uh, bunch of places in Ohio. A lot of the smaller towns you guys have probably never heard of. I think the most, Decatur, Georgia, Naples, Florida. You know, a lot of the more blue-collar towns, I think, is on this list. Tips for you guys, landlords. Listen to your tenants. You don't have to make a deal with them right away. But just gather information and try to come to a win-win. I mean, we're all stuck in this together. Request, um, you know, maybe request an offer from the tenant. That's negotiation 101. Don't name your price. If they want an abatement, a rent concession, or def rent deferment, hear them out. What do they think that they can do? Um, maybe it might be less than what you're willing to give them. Some news in the shopping center space. Halting evictions for 90 days, 
avoiding rent increases for 90 days, creating payment plans, waiving late fees, identifying government and community resources to help secure food, financial assistance, healthcare, and other services. You as a landlord can give resources. Maybe they don't know how to apply for unemployment if they've been laid off. Um, helping them helps you in the, in the long run. Here is a sample letter that one member in our HUI gave their tenants, not saying that you should use it. I didn't use it. Like I said, I'm taking the moral stance that um, we are, we're not draw, trying to draw too much attention to it. Our stance is rent is still due, but we're, yeah, we're not going to you know, give people any ideas that it's not. So it's up to you if you want to give your tenants something like that. Some bigger changes that I'm doing for future acquisitions. Um, overall, I'm pretty um, bullish on what's to come after we get through this, uh, this coronavirus and oil crisis. Um, the light at the end tunnel, we don't see it yet, but um, I'm getting ready because you know if you want to get on the next deal, you're going to have to put it in contract 30 to 60 days due diligence 30 to 60 days and then ultimately you know these things drag out 36 days so you could be looking for a quarter or two before you um actually get in have to put down money for a deal but one thing i'm doing is i'm staying away from class c deals and especially smaller deals and i'm only going to do a class c deal if it's in a super strong area um you know like in arcadia arizona you know phoenix arizona arcadia is the it's a sub market um, number two, underwriting deals with 4% interest rates and only two, two years of interest only. Like I said, on March 9th, we closed the deal at 3.23%, 15-year term with a 30-year amortization and four years of interest only payments. That was phenomenal. We couldn't have timed it any better. But you know, from here on out, we're seeing that 4% and two years of IO just to be conservative so we don't get surprised. And we are also increasing our assumed economic vacancy going forward, just to add a little bit cushion to the model. So if you're listening as a passive investor, some potential action plans is, I would say first, figure out what your job status is. If you're a government worker or you're, you, you, know, you don't really see yourself getting fired, you know, that's step number one. Number two, if, if you're having issues with that cut costs, again, you know, find ways to you know, save money, redo insurance quotes, for example, you know, I've got, I've got folks for that. Um, another things, other people are doing, they're just trying to list out all their expenses and see what they can cut out. Um, number three, monetize lines of credit. And this is the same thing that the active guys are doing. You know, those HELOCs, you never know when they can be pulled away. Harvest debt equity. And um, that's that www.mortgagenewsdaily.com had a great podcast on what exactly happened when the 10-year and the uh, Fed rate decoupled. Other notes here, what I'm seeing, I did a survey with my investor group and it's a little sad, but the non-accredited investors are sort of dropping like flies. You know, they're having to dip into savings and um, they're, they're sort of gun shy. But from the accredited investors side, the vast majority are kind of licking their chops at this point. Um, we're talking to a pretty experienced developer a couple of weeks ago, and that guy was saying, "Yeah, you know, in the Jimmy Carter years, you know, this is exactly what happened." I mean, he's saying this is the textbook black swan event that we're having right now, 
And that was when he made a ton of money, when everybody was fearful. I mean, that's a Warren Buffett quote. When uh, people are fearful, that's time to be greedy. So we're trying to get into um, better assets, more B-class, A-class, just so we can distance ourselves from other groups, you know, who are trying to get in the game, you know, after getting those Class C assets that just seem to have, you know, I'm in a couple Class C deals, and it's just harder. The tenants are just, they don't have any resiliency. You know, they, they, they can't work at Burger King for a week, and they can't pay their rent. Second thing here, I, I read this report, the ITR report, and it's pretty unbiased in my opinion. They're not trying to sell you on gold and trying to make you think that the world is going to end. And they're still predicting big growth for 2021 and beyond. You know, guys like the, they call them perm bears, like Peter Schiff, Curtis Martinson. They're always trying to freak you out to sell you gold and their newsletter subscriptions. Um, that is their passive income. That's their wealth strategy. Um, if you guys would like to use that strategy, you guys can make your own podcasts and newsletters and sell it for people for thirty nine ninety nine or whatever it costs. Um, and a lot of these guys, you know, everybody's trying to predict the next recession, right? Like they want to put that that banner on their website. So what they do is they try and predict the, the last 12 of the last two recessions. Um, I personally believe that it's time to go back in. But I'm going to hold back, um, definitely until we see a light at the end of the tunnel on this coronavirus. And I'll talk a little bit about, you know, my thoughts on, you know, where is the coronavirus is taking us and will the quarantine uh, social distancing work? If you have to form entities, try and do that sooner than later, since like, a lot of the government offices and courthouse are deeming that non-essential. And um, be aware of the rent control and no eviction rules. And if you still own properties in the blue states, you know, why the heck are you doing that, man? Like, this is, this should be a wake up call for you. Economic outlook moving forward, you know, we're probably going to see, I mean, we already saw this knee jerk reaction by the Fed to go to 0%, multiple rounds of stimulus going out to Americans, $2 trillion already went out. And I think that's the the first round of stimulus. I think there's going to be another one, especially if this quarant- this initial two to three week quarantine doesn't work. I mean, unofficially, Trump kind of put a line in the sand that he said everybody should be back out, you know, mingling come Easter, April 12th. But he he recently pushed that out to May. And I think every time that happens, if that happens another time, there's probably going to be stimulus too on the works or cares too, or whatever they want a clever thing they want to come up with. Uh, at the end of the day, remember that this economy was doing very well before the coronavirus, and it is a true black swan event combined with the oil trade uh, black swan event. You know, currently twenty to thirty dollars a barrel is crazy. If you've been following my journey, I've been selling my initial real property and transitioning into syndication deals lately for a more purely passive investment strategy. One critical part of my portfolio is the American Home Preservation Fund, or what folks in the Hui call AHP for short. George Newberry, once apartment owner, operator, and mentor to me, is now sponsoring the podcast. His private fund, which by the way also accepts non-accredited investors, cuts the middlemen out and allows you to invest directly with him to fight the mortgage crisis in America. Join him by purchasing distressed mortgages while getting a double-digit annual return paid monthly. 
Find something else better out there? Well, let me know. Feel good knowing that you are helping families stay in their home after buying their underwater note at a huge discount. Invest as little as $100 by going to ahpservicing.com investors. And if you want the free Burn Zone book, please send me an email at lane at simplepassivecashflow.com. I like to buy stuff. Well, that's a liability. So people want to know, you know, how is real estate doing these days? And I'm just talking about rental real estate. So I have this picture here of four chairs. I call this the great musical chair game. So you can call each chair class D, C, B, and A rentals. And there's four people walking around right now. Uh, well, maybe not yet. Maybe in the next week or uh, week or month or so, people will start to be displaced. People who cannot afford where they are or being evicted or having to move out because they cannot work. Or they maybe they got laid off too, right? Maybe the guy making two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars at their cushy white collar oil and gas job is fired. And you can't even find a sixty thousand dollar job because it's not in the oil gas field. Maybe they're displaced. But what you're having is, you know, everybody's dance. At some point, everyone's going to be dancing around, and they're going to need a place to sit. But in the meantime, you're going to have things up in the air and sort of weightless. And as landlords, we need to survive that, and that's where nice cash reserves come into play and in working with tenants. Here's a little table that I took from ITR, and this has a lot um, the past black swan events from the Russian crisis, Y2K, 9-11, sovereign debt crisis of 2011, 2015 oil prices plummet. Remember when the oils went up to like um, super high and then the recession started nine months prior. The 2018 trade concerns. So what they said was today's coronavirus is very similar to the 9-11 terrorist attack and where it was extremely sudden. The difference is that with all these type of black swan events, it never happened where the economy was sort of shut down. Like you had to stay at home. There's never been something like that. So we don't really have really good data, but in a way, once we get the go out and mingle and hang out with your friends again, order, we should go back. There should be some pent, pent up demand and, we can emotionally, we can, I think what you're going to see is people are going to be, it's going to be night and day. It's not going to be like 9-11 happens and people think that it's a different world that we're living in. Um, commercial property executive reports that the coronavirus will hit the hotel reach the hardest. And, um, you know, just going, you know, we're, we're all picking on the travel and hotel industry here. These guys are getting beat up really bad. So here's a little table that I made for the steps to get to a point where the commercial properties and real estate properties start to go down. So the, right now, the black swan event, which is the coronavirus, has happened. Fear has definitely set in, which makes the stock market go down 10 to 20%. Business income is decreasing, right? I mean, in the last month, things haven't been open. And companies have started to cut jobs, I think that is very evident and you're seeing some very scary numbers from unemployment numbers coming in. We don't know how much of that is just people, you know, thinking pent up demand or people thinking that there's free handouts there because they see all on the news of the cares act 
and they think they want to get theirs. Um, but right now we're at the stage of, you know, we don't know if tenants can't pay rent and hopefully, you know, we don't get to the very end of this um, sort of like a, you have to kind of fill up the buckets to get there. The next thing that's the domino ready to fall is the market vacancies go up as people start to move around and then decrease market rents. But remember before we got into this, there was a housing shortage initially. So going back to the analogy of the great musical chair game, there's four people on three chairs still. So we'll see what happens. And of course the last two dominoes are the lower operating income, which means less income, which will then impact higher cap rates, which equates the lower property values. Some good news. The uh, government is definitely stepping in here. Unemployment benefits are for our tenants to get, to hopefully pay their rent. It's tax time for most of our tenants who pay their taxes in April, and a lot of them will be getting a tax refund. Um, I tell you guys, you don't really want a tax refund because you gave the government an uh, interest-free loan, but that's not how our tenants think. Uh, thus far, red states have not been really restricting evictions. However, courts are closing or limited. And we're starting to see the government programs come and bail us out with um, everybody's getting, I guess, a $1,200 check and deferment options. And just last weekend, uh, that was March 28th, 29th. Um, Fannie and Freddie finally came up with deferment options for um, our bigger deals on possible 90-day uh, deferments on our mortgage payments. But the, the deal is we just can't evict people. So dissecting the CARES Act here, and we're going to have a webinar on April 15th, um, probably the only webinar you'll ever see on April 15th from a CPA because normally it's tax day, but we're going to be um, talking about breaking down all these SBA loans, the CARE Act, what it means for us. Um, so you guys aren't just hearing my interpretation or what I'm talking to my um, other people. You guys can hear it straight from a CPA tax attorney. So one of the big things that I'm reading is you can take $100,000 from withdraw from your retirement. So a lot of you guys that I have calls with, you, you, know, you might have $500,000, a million dollars in your 401k or IRA. And the whole, most, most people's strategy is to take that out and start investing it, but you're going to have to turn it into income and pay. Um, it'll, it'll make your adjusted gross income go up temporary that one year as you take it out. Now with the CARES Act, you can take up to a hundred thousand dollars out of there penalty free. Still got to pay your taxes, but there's some deferment on the taxes that you pay on that. I think it's like three or six years. Um, I think I got a slide in here later on that. Cash checks going out to um, everybody. Well, that is if you are in a certain income level. This chart that I found here is the best way of um, trying to calculate how much you're able to get. But essentially, for single filers, $1,200 is going out. Married filed jointly, you're going to double that. And then for each kid, you essentially attack on 500 bucks. There's a phase out after $7,500, $75,000 up to $100,000 for single filers. And for couples, 
um, the phase out occurs from 150,000 and pretty quickly up to a little over $200,000. Some changes FMLA with additional leave. Um, some of your employers have given people extra uh, week of vacation or, or to stay at home. Well, it's not because of them. It's because the government's giving that to give to you. Uh, again, SBA loans, um, it that confuses you like it confuses me. I mean, I'm just probably going to pay a consultant to get all that stuff done for me and just pay them. Um, let me know if you guys are interested in that by emailing me. Credits for retaining employees. So they want you to not fire your, your employees. So there's credits for that. And then this one was an interesting one that I don't quite understand myself. It's a qualified improvement property. So it provides 100% bonus depreciation for costs associated with the interior improvement of non-residential property by changing the tax life from 39 years to 15 years. And here's the important thing, made retroactive for improvements after September 27th, 2017. So you can go back and possibly change or amend your tax returns and recover some, um, some money there. And I know a lot of CPAs are probably um, just going to ignore this and hope their clients don't ask them to do that because it's probably not worth the fi refiling fee that they charge their clients. And, um, you know, but that's what a, that's, that's what a lazy uh, CPA does, right? And that's why they still have a J-O-B. So breaking down the $2 trillion, where did it all go? Uh, $250 billion went to unemployment. $300 billion went to direct payments. Those are the $1,200 checks to uh, Americans. $500 billion went to large businesses. I don't know if the, uh, the I heard there were airline bailouts included in there. I don't, I'm guessing that that is included in that $500 billion. But uh, for small businesses, the SBA loans that we're talking about and the grants, $300 billion is there um, to cover payments for rent, mortgage, utilities, and payroll. These even loans will be even converted into grants at the end of the year if used for intended purposes. So, you know, I, I think everybody should be able to get a $10,000 if they do their application right. So, uh, yeah, let me know if you guys want to get, um, get that free money up for grads. But once it's gone, it's gone. That's how those grants work. In the public sector, 150 billion is going to states, and a few hundred billion dollars are going to some hospitals and some miscellaneous stuff. But you know, like I said, like with the last slide, um, qualified improvement property where you're able to go back a couple years, you know, that's just a, it just is an example of you know exactly what this headline says in the New York Times: the bonanza for rich real estate investors tucked into the stimulus plan. The world, the United States needed a lot of help. You know, how are people when they can't work at Burger King or can't go work as a uh, hotel cleaner at a casino? What happens? Well, they need these checks. But in this two, $2 trillion stimulus package, a whole bunch of stuff got put in for uh, real estate investors. And here's how I, I, I think of it. You know, when you were a kid and your parents, hopefully you had these good childhood memories. Sorry if you didn't, but, you know, if your parents said, we can go buy you a Nintendo and you're at the checkout line, you want to throw in some, an extra game or two or some gum or candy, you know, that's essentially what's happening here. Um, I think 
the carriage too is happening soon. So it might be uh, extended analogy might be throwing in some gift cards in there too. We talked about the qualified in improvement property. Net operating losses can be carried back five years and excess business losses are temporarily suspended. And the, again, the waiver of the 10% early withdrawal penalty for retirement accounts. And um, this kind of doesn't really mean anything. It's so negligible, but you can have a $300 above the line deduction on charitable donations. So let's take a break from the coronavirus a little bit and the current crisis. I read this article from Housing Wire, The Rise of Remote Real Estate Investors. It's a map, it's a heat map of where out-of-state buyers are coming from, which are pretty much the, Calif the West Coast, the California. It's heavy in Nevada for some reason. And where are our out-of-state buyers are buying? Where's the money? Where are the, where are the investors investing in? A lot of it in, um, well, only 6% of it is going to California. Um, but most of the states, about 20 to 30% of it is, you know, coming, not from, originating from the state. So I pulled an article from multi-housing news which says the public housing is part of the housing crisis. So the same public housing authorities across the country are struggling and federal programs aren't always the answer. So what they're talking about are sort of the class B developments that pretty quickly become class C housing projects like the Red Hook houses in Brooklyn, New York, or the Trump village in New York. So I put this in here because I think these public housing developments are the only killer to those investing in, you know, the value-based class C and B housing, um, the workforce housing. And from this article, it's saying that the, these government programs aren't really working to have these type of housing. So what will likely happen is it'll make more sense for the government to infuse capital into better loans, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac programs or HUD, HUD programs for syndicators and investors to utilize. Here is a chart from CoStar, probably one of the best um, sources of commercial real estate data. What they're showing here is the vacancy rate tracking and this is what their forecast is based on the coronavirus and this is they what's what i like how these guys put together is they they'll put together a forecast of what they think is going to happen and then what is severe downside so i put the severe downside one up on the screen and this is basically the doom and gloom but you see how you know middle of 2020 where we're at now vacancy will sort of peak it'll jump up from uh, 6.5% up to 8% and then slowly go down after 2022. You'll see how the net deliveries will come down, get cooled off, how absorption, which is the inverse of vacancy, will, um, will go down later on in the year, but it should pick up right up back up in 2021. Green Street Advisors released some estimates on how some REITs are doing. And I'm not a big fan of REITs because REITs are, you know, just essentially like mutual funds 
and they supposedly hold real estate, but there's just a lot of, you know, bloat in those funds. But just in relative, you know, relative to each other, senior housing is getting killed and so is student housing. I think we all understand the reasons why they're um, shopping. And then comes the apartments, single family homes and self-storage and the mobile home parks. Other good things that I personally am happy about, about this, um, the outcome out of our cultural changing COVID-19 experience is maybe we'll finally have less meetings. You know, we see how, how effective Zoom meetings are and this, that's the platform that I'm using today. Um, maybe people at work will start to realize we don't need to have all these freaking meetings anymore. Uh, number two, everyone's spending a little bit more time with family. There's less sports. There's no ESPN. There's less distractions and uh, more time to exercise. And um, later on in the month, uh, we'll have a, do a workshop for Hui members. You guys can join at simplepassivecashflow.com slash club. There'll be a live webinar. We'll be going over the COVID-19 economic survival guide. You guys can get access to that right now at simplepassivecashflow.com slash COVID-19. However, it's a work in progress at this point. The preceding offers general personal finance information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor's situation is unique. Always seek the services of professional tax and legal advisors before relying on any information you take your in. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. 